Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, it's good to be back in uh, D.C., D.C. area at least. Just spent um, plenty of time home with my family and some friends, um, but very quickly came to the realization that I needed to get back into my own living space um, because it was slightly maddening. Um, but nonetheless, uh, still appreciated uh, Casa de Zatlin and uh, everyone that was uh, able to see. So it was good. It was good. Got away. Um, you know, was able to see the new Spider-Man movie, even if that was spoiled for me by the ringer.com. Oh, no. It was yeah. Oh, it was so, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. It, it was, it was, I really enjoyed it. My brother and his friends were like, wow, that was kind of a bad movie. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You don't get it. it was this was good. a good movie. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so oh, otherwise, I'm good. Ben, I hope you had a uh, just as good time uh, for the holidays and whatnot. I did, um, but I think that people are all wondering uh, how you survived the Chargers-Raiders game, which held your <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers playoff chances in their hands with the tie. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I, I honestly thought you were going to like die at some point during that overtime period. So when they started overtime, Brett Hafner, who was the D3 guy in our in our Slack, obviously, um, he's like, hey, Garrett, you all right? And I just wasn't having it. I was like, not now, Brett. Like, we're not we're not <laughs> doing this right now. Like, um, for those of you who don't understand or don't know, I'm, just, I'm sure you've probably heard by now, this Pittsburgh Steelers had to have a lot of things go right in order for them to get into the playoffs. Everything went right, and the only thing they needed really – was to uh, get a tie um, between not the Chargers have a, not and the Raiders. Not have a tie. Oh, I'm sorry, not have a tie. Excuse me. What they needed was to not have a tie between the Chargers and the Raiders. A tie happens like once every 200 games or something. Like, I don't know what the stat is, but it's very Once rare. a year, basically, in, a, in the NFL. Once a year. Yeah, once a year, basically, whatever many times it is. And the Steelers and Lions already had that once a year tie game. So, of course, they go into overtime on a miraculous last-second throw by Justin Herbert. And if they each if each team kneels it out, they both go to the playoffs. There's no incentive to win the game other than just kneeling it out. And, of course, thankfully, as time expires, the Raiders hit a field goal. And by the grace of God, the Steelers are going to the playoffs. <laughs> it, I was laughing to myself at the hilarity of, that was the Pittsburgh Steelers' luck in football because it just would have been perfect if they didn't go because of a tie. Um, so I, that's how I felt. My parents are huge fan Steeler fans, and I was just laughing the whole time too. Like I, it was just one of the more outrageous things I've ever seen. Um, but let's transition to the episode today. We are up to eight ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We have a new review. The boys are back. These guys are the best in the NCAA. We appreciate that. Let's let's get to uh, ten by next episode uh, as we continue or restart our uh, road to one hundred, which only took us forever. Hopefully, will take us less than forever this time. Well, this time we're we're better suited. We're more advanced. We're a little more technically savvy. Even though your feed right now is very very blurry, <laughs> um, so. I think we'll get there a little faster, but uh, yeah, shout out to everyone leading ratings and reviews. Remember, just go to Apple Podcasts, leave them rating review. Um, so shout out to all of you. Uh, we appreciate it. So today we're going to focus uh, on the transfer news that we've reported. Um, but first, we did want to mention there was some racing 
uh, this past weekend. We did see some interesting results um, that you can follow up on the site. Um, we saw some Michigan women put down some decent performances. Um, but Garrett, is there anything you want to touch on uh, before we head to the transfers? No, no. I think there was a lot of like subtle, really nice performances that were encouraging and good steps in the right direction and, and nice early season rust busters. You know, Purdue men had a really solid showing from their young talent. But, um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that we can really dive into and say, oh, this was, you know, with great purpose, um, you know, in, in the NCAA action. So I think we're good for today and uh, we'll make it work. All right, well, we will have hopefully a lot more races in the future to get to dive into. But this week, we did see a flurry of moves. We saw some uh, winter recruiting classes announced that were very significant. And we also uh, saw some athletes changing schools. We're going to start with uh, the Oklahoma State and Penn State classes that were announced because, boy, these were doozies of classes to bring in during the January period. Which which one of these do you want to start with here, Garrett? Well, let's start with Oklahoma State. Um, I think that's the, those are the, the right ones there. Um, and this is, this is awful for a podcast that has gone from, oh, I think I know all these names to now I don't know how to pronounce any name in the NCAA. This is the ultimate litmus test. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this works here. But Fuad Masoudi, I'm so sorry, Masoudi, um, 338 for 1,500 meters, 355, is also rumored to have run 1346, was not able to confirm that. Um, but nonetheless, uh, a really solid, not just solid, just star talent, really, um, who can instantly impact the NCAA, um, who can do a lot of really special things. 338 puts you in that all-American conversation for 1,500 meters. The problem is that everyone and their mom ran under 340 in the 1,500 meters last spring. Um, so it's hard to really say, like, where in the all-American picture does he fit in um, until he's able to put himself into championship races and tactical settings and face top-tier talents. Um, and then there's uh, the last, the other name there, uh, Hafez Mahadi. Uh, running 48 seconds in the 400 and 148, a really nice compliment in the 800 meters to Juan Diego Castro. And for me, I, the way I see him is a name who's going to mix it up and try to score points um, against, you know, a, a really strong 800 meter contingent in the Big 12, which features Texas, Texas Tech and Iowa State. Those are probably three of the 10 deepest 800 meter programs in the entire NCAA so for him to come in there and to contend for points there, I, I think that's uh, interesting and exciting. Yeah, I mean, both of these guys, are, like you said, are going to make a big impact. Um, with with uh, Masoudi, I, I think he, if he would have come in before last year, we would probably be talking about him as a national title favorite running 338. Right. But like you mentioned, after last year, seeing 338 isn't quite as stunning as we as it was before. Um, but regardless, he's definitely going to be someone to keep an eye on during this indoor season and outdoor season. He should be someone that has a great shot at making the national meet. And then once we see, once we see him in a few races, I think we'll, we'll get hopefully a decent sense of how he's going to do in the NCAA. But right now, just looking at the time, it, there's nothing that would be discouraging about his range, the overall times themselves. He just looks like a stud. And, and I'm curious, do you think he has potential to help them on the grass in the fall? 
Yeah, I mean, that that's the big question, right? And it really depends on how he fully translate that 1500 speed to the 5K um, and, and whether or not he can not just run well in the 5K to cross country, but whether or not he can build upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing is, is like, I don't know if they're going to need him necessarily. They have so many talents already and they're going to lose a couple guys, I think. I don't know. I have to go back and check the eligibility. So maybe they opt to redshirt him and, and try to build him up even further. Um but yeah, I, I think he contributes at the very least as a solid middle to fourth, fifth score kind of deal there. Um, I, I think that's kind of where he probably best fits in at. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if you see otherwise, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that would be awesome. Um, I, I It's hard with these middle distance runners to be able to gauge exactly where they're going to f- the fit in uh, during the cross season. But I, I think if he can be like just another depth piece someone who could be fourth on the team, but probably is more likely to be like a six, seven guy. I I think that would be huge for them because like you said, this is a really strong Cowboy team. I think they're probably going to lose Ryan Smeaton. He's the one off the top of my head that they'll, that they'll, I'm thinking they'll lose. Um, But I I think he'll just be a perfect back end scorer and someone that they could maybe, maybe has the potential of being better, but is at least in that six, seven range. Uh, consistently and then um, with Mahadi I'm curious do you think I I mean do you think we're going to be able to see him contribute on the national scale indoors I feel like we could outdoors but I'm I'm interested to see if he can come in and get a qualifying mark right away yeah I mean that's going to be the challenge here Um, that 148 mark and see how it translates Um, I, I think for a freshman, it, the concern of whether or not he qualifies for the national meet during indoors, I don't really know if that's going to matter that much. Um, I don't, if I had a bet, I'd say probably no, just because the 800 always seems to get um, faster at the back end of the national qualifying picture, right? It always seems that like there's another 0.1 second off taken off every year for what you need to qualify for nationals in the 800 meters. I could be wrong, but it feels, it feels like that. I think at the very least, he gives them a chance to explore DMR opportunities, right? With Juan Diego Castro not having to double back for any duties um, along those lines, or maybe teaming up with him to run a DMR mm-hmm. and making that a much more realistic opportunity for, for Oklahoma State. And then longer term acting, like I said, is that piece, maybe he, we dip into the spring and then dip into the next few years, where he's able to compete with the Iowa States, Texas Techs, and Texas of the world. Um, and so I, I think that's probably where... I best see him fitting in maybe immediate piece being a relay guy or someone who gives them that option, um, maybe back in big 12 score and then really kind of in the spring entering that national qualifying conversation. I think it might take a year for him to fully come around, but 148, all you need is a little momentum and all of a sudden you're there and you're in the national qualifying conversation. So it could happen immediately. He's already on the verge. Yeah, and I think for him, it's just about getting as much experience as he can, and that's kind of why I'm curious to see if he can make, even if he doesn't do get out of the rounds at nationals on the indoor meet. I think just getting there and getting that experience would be huge for them. But I think you're probably right. I think his best value, at least this year, will be as a relay piece and and give them gives them a little bit more flexibility because I mean, you even look just at the Big Twelve, those DMRs right there, all those teams you mentioned, Texas uh iowa state they're gonna have amazing dmrs um and it'll be interesting to see how he slots in there 
Um, yeah. Sorry, real quick, ahead. touching back on uh, uh, Masudi or Masadi again. Sorry, someone let us know if we're just saying that. Like, how to how to say it? Let us know. Um, but but touching on him real quick, going back, uh, according to the NCAA TFERS results from the cross country championships. The only one with senior eligibility, and you nailed it, was Ryan Smeaton. You've got Isaiah Rodriguez, and you've got Shea Foster, guys like that, really talented, top-notch, All-American scorers. Um, They have junior eligibility. So if they want to come back, they can come back. And now all of a sudden, Masudi is just like, maybe he gives them just more scoring support, depth, another piece. It's not like they really need – I don't want to say they really need an All-American. Any team is going to tell you that they'd like another All-American, right? But at the very least, like Masudi just kind of fits in well. Like Oklahoma State doesn't need another All American to repeat their success from last year. They just needed they just needed to make sure that their scoring isn't going to go down the toilet with one or two pieces gone. And with Masudi, I think they'll probably get that with him, which is pretty clutch. It's a very similar situation to when Purdue lost, I think, Jarrett Carpenter, but brought in um Joey Humes from Hillsdale, the D2 All American. So Similar situation like that, I think. And, and there's, like you said, there's not going to be a whole lot of pressure on him. And he can, I mean, they can just hope that he's a really strong X factor or someone that can just pop off a really good race at regionals or nationals or whatever, or conference. And just, even if he doesn't do that very often, if he can pop one or two off, he'll, he'll obviously give them a lot of value. Um, right. But do, do you want to transition to Penn State real quick? Yep, let's do it. All right, so Penn State brought in uh, two winter recruits with Olivier, is it Des, Des, Des Moulin, Des, I'm the Des wrong guy to ask this. I'm the wrong guy. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to go with Des Moulet, um and, and see if that's right. Uh, and he is a 148, 800-meter runner. And then they also brought, he and he's Canadian, and then they also brought in from Japan, Yukuchi Ishii, who's run 150 in the 800, 350 in the 1500, bringing in some solid middle distance towns to Happy Valley who are restocking their middle distance uh, core. And, and I, I, I think both of these guys are just such perfect fits. Um, obviously, I think the Oklahoma State guys probably bring a little bit more talent. But in terms of fit and what Penn State needed right now, I, I can't imagine a, a much better match. Yeah, yeah, and we touched on this in our latest group chat article, uh, the Exchange Zone Part One, and we we mentioned there's a there's a question in there where we say, who, which which group of new additions is more important for their respective teams, Penn State or Oklahoma State, right? And I think the easy answer off the top of everyone's head is like, oh, Oklahoma State, right? But relatively, Oklahoma State didn't need their additions as much as Penn State needed theirs. Exactly. I, yeah, I and and, and you even you even touch on it in the article. You even say like I don't really want to choose because of this weird quirk that you could argue against. And Penn State actually on paper probably needs their new additions more than Oklahoma State needed theirs. Penn State has lost countless all-American national title contending 800 meter stars each and every year. That's just that's not their fault. It's just the life cycle of eligibility and how that works in the NCAA. And now Dominic Peretta a national qualifying uh, caliber athlete. He's made it to the finals off of a DQ um, in the 800 meters of the indoor national meet previously. We think he can be an all-American kind of talent. And now he's at nearing the end of his career. He's probably only got about a year of eligibility left. 
So now you bring in a 148 guy from Canada, a 150 guy from Japan. Uh, Ishii's also run 350 for 1500 meters. There's a nice young core where it's like, all right, they can learn from Pareda for the last semester there. They can work and develop while he kind of maintains the middle distance success there. And then by next year, maybe they come in and they're qualifying for the national meet or, you know, putting together key legs on DMRs and getting to Penn State back to the national meet in that relay, right? There's key, key components there of extending the life cycle of Penn State's middle distance success. Because Penn State, they've had individual standouts in the 800 meters, but they haven't really had a ton of depth. And they haven't really been able to stagger it in such a way where a lot of their depth is within a year or two of each other. Um, so this kind of gives them a chance to reset, prepare for Peretta's departure, and gives them still some immediate talent that can contend to the Big Ten because Desmueles, I'm sorry if I butchered that one, uh, because running 148 in the Big Ten carries a little more weight than 148 in the Big 12, at least in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the 800 in the Big Ten, we've seen it kind of go all over the place because we've seen a lot of either 148 to 150 guys compete, um, and, and there's no reason why both of them can't uh, compete for that title or at least be top three, top five kind of contenders in the Big Ten, whereas the Big 12, I mean, we've seen 146 guys, 147 guys, and like a lot of them, and, and it's hard to break into that pack. Um, but yeah, I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. I'm really interested to see what these guys can do uh, on the relay. I don't necessarily know what we're going to see from them from an individual national perspective, but I, I, I do wonder if they can cobble together enough guys and put together an interesting DMR. The DMR times just get more and more ridiculous every year, so I don't know if they're going to be able to qualify. But I think a good sign of progress would be to see if the if they can at least be on the fringes of that conversation. Well, and what's nice is that they've got Penn State has a few like sort of young, sort of older dudes. It depends on how you look at the eligibility and the red shirt and the COVID, right? <laughs> um, they've got a oh my gosh, there was one name who uh, was was great last year, qualified for the national meet in the eight hundred meters. Uh, you're probably looking him up right now. Uh, I am. But I can't, yeah, and I can't, I, I can't figure out his name. It's going to bother me, right? But when you pair him with Peretta and Desmueles and, and Ishii, and all of a sudden there's some other long-term names, uh, like Brandon Hans is like another name that I can think of. Um, kind of depending on what these guys are going to do for graduation, these guys could could make um, some noise. And, and, oh, Evan Dornkamp, that's who it was. That's who I'm yeah. trying to figure out. He ran 149, I think. Um, and he was a standout name so for Penn State. So kind of another guy that's kind of fitting into that middle distance, high level success of reputation. What's his eligibility like, though? That's what we need to figure out. So, he, yeah, he ran 149 outdoors last year. He ran 401 in the mile, right. um, though. And I, I think he is a sophomore, it looks like. Um, By eligibility, right? Eligibility-wise, yeah. I mean, his first performances were the indoor season of 2020 so he might have he might be a junior indoor wise um but yeah i mean he's he's got time um and he'll he'll i mean you put him um with these guys and and you add in um peretta i i that's a pretty good dmr right there i think that they might have a chance of doing something 
Yeah, they have a chance of doing something this year. And then if not this year, then I think next year it's not just like, oh, you might have a chance to qualify for the national meet. It's you might be an All-American relay. And, right. and that's they've got something there if Doran Camp can continue to, uh, to progress and if these two new guys can kind of build themselves into something that I think could be pretty special. So uh, with, when, you enter, when you introduce Doran Camp into the equation, that depth that, you, that we once spoke about begins to, to feel a little more real. Yeah, absolutely. All right, why don't we move on to the transfers that we saw uh, reported this week. Um, which one do you want to start with? Um, let, let's talk about Seb Anthony. If we're going to stick on the 800 meter side, might as well work. Um, the Queens D2 standout. Um, I believe he was uh, a three-time All-American. I could be wrong on that. Out of his four appearances at the national meet at the D2 level, he was the runner-up uh, this past last winter um, in the 800 meters. Has run 148 and 344, going to Virginia Tech. Ben. Um, uh, let's start with you, man. Instant thoughts instead of Anthony. I, I really like this. Um, I I just think he's, it's another example of going to the right, uh, the right athlete going to the right place at the right, right. time, I think. Mm-hmm. It, he's just going to a Virginia Tech program that just churns out middle distance stars. And he's doing it at a time in his career where I think he just wants to take See if he can take one more leap and, and really be competitive at the D1 level. He's done almost everything you could ask for in the D2 level. He's run 148. And now I, I think he's going to get an opportunity to run against some really good competition in practice and then also in meets. And I, I think he could end up being a really pivotal pivotal piece for them in the DMR adding a really strong 800 leg. We saw them, we saw Virginia Tech have a lot of good sub four milers last year and adding him to the mix. I, I really am interested to see what he can do this indoor season. Yeah, yeah, he's a pure 800 runner and he's run 344 for 1500 meters as well. And I'm not saying that he's not a great 1500 guy. In fact, he actually has pretty good range from for an 800 guy. He can run um, some, some strong 5K times as well for an 800 guy. Um, but running 148 all of a sudden puts this kind of team into the really interesting DMR discussion. They return three sub four milers from last year. Um, they, now they get like a true 800 guy like Bashuma Savalo gone. And it might be a situation where like Seb Anthony may or may not be good enough to qualify individually for the national meet. And I think you can maybe argue the same thing for some of these Virginia Tech sub four milers. Uh, maybe one or two of them gets in, but there's like a very realistic chance that Virginia Tech goes all in for a DMR and it could be scary good. You know, they've got the right pieces. Guys are very interchangeable on that relay. Seb Anthony is like the perfect home run piece on the 800. And just like you said before, the athlete program pairing is perfect. I don't, I don't know if you could really, I don't really know if you, if you could put one-to-one in terms of fit for any other athlete in the NCAA with their program. So I think it works out well. Um, We'll see what happens with his eligibility and what else he's got really got in store there, but he could be, he could be good. We could be looking at a situation where he's racing, not only Sam Voles, but former Virginia Tech Hokie Bashir Masavalo in the final straightaway of an ACC championship, maybe more than once this year. That would be wild. Yeah, man, that, that would be really interesting. I mean, and if he can, 
compete with Vols, then then I think he he's going to put himself in really good position to to be competitive at the NCAA level. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that the DMR going into this indoor season is going to be where he really thrives. Um, and and I, you mentioned Bashir Musevalo. I, I think that was an underrated loss for them. And to yeah. fill that gap with Anthony, I, I, I think it's just a perfect thing for them because I truthfully, I don't know what they were going to do otherwise. Yeah, because you knew you were going to get 8, 10 points out of Masavolo for every time that you went to an ACC meet. And I'm not saying that you're going to get 8 to 10 points out of Seb Anthony. It could happen, but probably not. Um, at the very least, you maybe get 4 points, though, right? Mm-hmm. You maybe get 3 or 2 or whatever the however the point scoring works, right? You, you're at least going to get something out of it. And the loss, the, the net loss from Bashir Masavolo going to Notre Dame is not as heavy now as it was before Seb Anthony got there. So it's a really promising pickup, a lot of utility that you can get out of his, his move there to the Blacksburg. I'm biased. I graduated <laughs> from Virginia Tech. Everyone knows this, but I think there's enough evidence there to support our assertions that like, this is, there's met, there far more positives than there are downsides to this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Which, which transfer do you want to go to next? Well, don't don't put it on me. Let's go you next. You, I'll let okay. you choose. Let's 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 go with Grace Pagone. Um, okay. Heading from Nebraska to Grand Valley State, uh, she has run sixteen fifty one in the five k, thirty four fifty five in the ten k. Saw some improvements on the grass this past fall. Um, coming going to a Grand Valley State team who, correct me if I'm wrong, was second in the country last year. Um, a solid addition. I. I think we're, we were all talking about her in the group chat, and it, it, it's interesting to see what her ceiling is going to be because she has been improving. But just going from D1 to D2, that jump, like we've talked about before, isn't quite as steep as it was uh, previously. And, and I, I think she gives them a nice depth piece, but I do wonder what the overall potential is for her. Yeah, I, I think that's I think the the consensus between most of our writers is that all right, she's gonna go to the D two um the D one level or no, right, from the D one to the D two level. There you go, got that figured out. And she's gonna be probably a likely national qualifier based on some of her marks in the five K indoors, ten K outdoors. Um, and then she'll have a chance to be an all American. By no means a lock, by no means guaranteed, but it seems fairly comfortable to say that she's going to be a national qualifier and an All-American um, is certainly in the cards for both seasons. And you could even say that she has a chance to be an All-American on the grass as well, um, depending on how she translates and how she improves her performances on the grass and, and things of that nature, right? Um, so it's it's tough to say, though, really, what's more after that, because she has made improvements, but they haven't been dramatic improvements. And then you also have to wonder, Grand Valley State, on paper – Via eligibility, they return. They're number one. They're number two. They're number three. They're number four. They're number five. They're number six. And they only lose by eligibility. They're number seven. Whereas Adam State, and I'm, I'm looking at this now in case you can't hear me typing on my laptop. Um, Adam State, the, the women who won, you know, they bring back their one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it's not like Adam State on the women's side was losing at, if they come back. It's not like they're losing a ton of firepower and all of a sudden now Grand Valley State has a chance to 
kind of put themselves in the picture just based on returners. Now Grand Valley State actually has someone who's like, oh, she could be an All-American scorer. She could be a fourth or fifth runner. Maybe that's enough points to cut down and catch up to Adam State and make this a really narrow title run that gives the Lakers a chance to win next fall. Um, And again, I quickly glanced through that eligibility. So I could be wrong uh, on some of those things. But on paper, Pangone at least makes a national title run and taking down Adam State somewhat realistic, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I, I think at the very least, she's a lottery ticket for Grand Valley. Like like you right, were right, saying, they bring back so many people that they don't need her to, like, they don't absolutely need her. They could be one of the best teams in the country without her cracking the top seven. But if she does and she continues to improve and, like, really turns into a strong piece for them on the grass then that she could be that X factor that does bridge that gap with Adam state. Um, but, but I really don't see any downside to adding her because of that. I, they don't need her to, to be any, to like be successful as a program, but if they want to take the next step, she could be their way of doing that. Yeah. And, and I just looked at the NCAA results and right. And like NCAA results are only a small snapshot of how a season actually right. went for a handful of women. But now that I take a look at it, like Pangone would really have to crack into the top 20 in order to make a, a dent into the scoring significantly because, you know, Grand Valley States, you know, last few all Americans were their fifth and sixth scores. Right. So you really have to make some significant jumps into the top 20 to cut off enough points to say like, Hey, now we can really contend with Adam state. Um, so it, it, I, I think you've been saying it. I've been saying it. The team has been saying it. How high is her ceiling? Because her ceiling will dictate whether or not the Lakers contend for a national title and beat Adam state. It'll matter whether or not she's an all American, a top three finisher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she's the biggest wild card in D2 right now. And I think that's a fair, fair thing to say. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's great to have that wild card on your team. Correct. It gives, it, it raises your ceiling and, and gives you a little bit more potential. Um, but let's wrap with the last transfer news of the day. Joshua Schumacher, um, headed to the transfer portal from Stanford, um, and according to what you wrote, still could potentially come back to Stanford, but his name being on the portal, very interesting. A star high school runner hasn't, we haven't really seen that potential be fulfilled in college yet, but I, clearly there's a lot of talent there and would be a nice pickup for whoever he land, wherever he lands. Yeah, it's, it's challenging because he was so good in high school and he just not only has he just not like quite delivered on expectations, but he just hasn't raced a lot, a lot or at all. I mean, I don't know if that's injury or, or illness or, you know, whatever, like it's not my business, you know, so be it that the, the fact of the matter is that he just hasn't raced a lot. In fact, according to Tifers, he hasn't raced on the track once, which is bizarre for a veteran. Um, so We'll see. I think at the very least, he's a great cross. He can be a great cross country scorer for the right program. Um, maybe a team that needs some back end support. Maybe a team that needs a fifth scorer to kind of like get them through. They just be like, hey, we just need you to be good enough. 
And and Josh Schumacher had a few instances this past fall where he was, I think, like 31st, you know, I think that the FSU XC Open, he was beating teammate Devin Hart. And Devin Hart's like no slouch uh, of a name. He's a solid, solid talent. So there's there's promise and there's potential there for for Schumacher to kind of make an impact depending on where he goes. I don't know where that is. Um, but yeah, he is in the portal and I, I think it's a, it will be unique. He, he has very underrated value depending on the team that he goes to. Is there a type of, is there any specific teams that kind of jump off the page for you that, that he would fit well with? I, I, as I'm kind of thinking about it, um, I'm struggling to come up with names. I, I wonder if even a few of the big 10 schools, um would be would be good fits like a wisconsin where he doesn't necessarily have to be like a like great scorer for them but gives them more depth and gives them a little bit more potential um any other thoughts on teams um honestly i think notre dame i think listen because listen i mean you're gonna where everybody goes well, that's that's exactly the, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm like, listen, Notre Dame is losing a ton of veteran talent, a ton, right? Um, they've been more than welcome, you know, welcome enough to taking grad transfers before. Some of which were admittedly not amazing grad transfers, not bad, but not amazing grad transfers either. And you look at a guy, it's like, man, I think there's still a whole lot more there. There's a lot of potential roll the dice and see what you get out of him. You know, like the worst thing's worse than at least he just didn't get a scorer who you weren't originally going to have anyways. And with Notre Dame losing so many guys, I don't like, I don't see like what the risk is, you know, like he's a grad transfer. What it's kind of like a, I don't know, maybe a one, two year rental. You're not investing a heavy scholarship into him. Um, at least not for the long term. So I, I, I don't see the downside. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. And one other team I'll I'll throw out is speaking of him running well at FSU, I think Florida State would actually be a pretty yeah. good landing spot for him as well. Um, they kind of need some so a little bit more depth in the back end of their scoring lineup, and I, I think he would uh, if he is able to run like he did at Florida State consistently for a year. Then I I think he could definitely provide that. Yeah, and, and Florida State, you know, again on paper by eligibility middle portion of their lineup gets really hurt. They've got like three mm-hmm. seniors in the middle there. That's tough stuff. Um, and they're going to be looking just to keep it afloat, some back end scoring alive. Um, I, I think there's still, um, I don't I, I think, I think there's still a lot of potential for someone like uh, Paul Stafford to really yep. step up and to emerge as the scorer that I think we know he can be. Um, I don't think he raced actually at the national championships this past fall. I, in fact, I don't even know if he raced at all. I had to double check and I'll, you know, sorry, I'm going to do that off the podcast, but, but you start throwing him into the mix and then you bring in a Schumacher and it's all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I could see a world where this kind of works and you're able to kind of like barely sneak your way in to the national meet along with the proper improvement. So um, yeah, I, I like it. And I think, it, you know, Florida State also brings in, you know, a couple of nice yep. freshmen as well. So um, I like that a lot. I think it's a really good pick. I, I think we both have the right answers and no one can tell us otherwise. So. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Garrett, do you want to wrap it there? I, I, is there any Let's other news it. that we didn't touch touch on? 
No, I, I think we're all set. Um, we've got great content on the site. I can't believe that we have as good of content as we do, despite there being little to no national caliber action. Sorry, that's just the reality of it. But um, I, I think this is really good content. We've got the group chat exchange zone part one up by the time you're listening to this. Part two also should be coming out on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. Um, we'll have some meet previews if we can get the performance list. Um, sometimes it's the most challenging thing. Um, it's not a matter of us not wanting to do, you know, um, you know, previews we want to, but sometimes your schools just release them at like an hour before the meet is supposed to start and it's impossible to get them out. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. We've got a lot more content on the way, maybe a little podcast surprise in the next few weeks. Watch out for that. We'll see what happens. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Ben, that's all I got. All right. Well, yeah, I, I like the little tease there. Um, we'll, we'll just leave, leave people with that. Um, but yeah, that sounds good. Until next time, I'll talk to you, Garrett. I'll talk to you.